Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Liz Loza, joined by Matt Harmon, producer Brett's also in the room, leading us valiantly towards week one. You guys, you know, do you know, Matt, you might know this. Yeah. Cam Newton's kind of a drama queen. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Right? <laughs> he's, 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 drama f- tends to follow him. Whether it's self-created or yeah. just circumstantial yeah. coincidence. Yeah. I'm not sure. He did try to steal all of the quarterback spotlight this past weekend until Andrew Luck said, hold my beer. Yeah, not to be outdone. So Andrew Luck retired. You guys, did you know that? Did you know Andrew Luck retired? It's a really small story. Well, luckily, we're right on top of the news here um, several hours, several days later, several days (laughs) later. (laughs) Um, Will you remember the time where you were when Andrew Luck retired? I feel like you're saying that very um, sarcastically. No, right? I'm me sarcastic. Yeah, that Matt. would be that would be no. Stunning. I'm as earnest as like apple pie. But I will say, I mean, it was wild because so I was at a. So large, you do remember I where do, you were? Yeah, well, you'll never was, forget. I mean, it was only a hashtag. Few, it was only a few days ago. If I've forgotten, then I think I've got some other issues to uh, to discuss here. But I was at a party with like a bunch of people from uh, NFL Network at uh, Patrick Claybon's house, mm-hmm. and oh, brags left and right in this one. Hardly talk about hold my beer. Hardly, I mean, okay. a bunch of schlubs. Uh, that so you're happened. playing cornhole. Yeah, well, the, but the crazy thing is, like, on the way there, you know, our second news item scrolls across my Twitter feed, which is about Lamar Miller. And I'm like, whew, pretty big NFL story. Can't believe that. Throw the phone in the pocket, walk inside. and We're going to get to all of these individually from a fantasy perspective, but we really need to hear about Matt's experience. Yes. But I mean, it was crazy, though, because like several hours into it, someone's from across the party is like, retired. I'm like, what? what, Who is that? And they said, Andrew Luck. And I mean, like the entire place just right on the phone, just immediately scrolling Twitter. It was quite a scene. Uh, I was on an airplane. And I was working on the airplane because that is the best place to get work done. You are left alone. I was working and nice. also at the same time watching the reboot of Pet Cemetery, which I'll tell you what is not a good thing to do. Yeah, anyway. I was going to say, you're working and watching Pet Cemetery at the <laughs> yeah. same time? I can't, like, work and watch things at the same well, time. Well, I mean, it, it's, it wasn't that... Wasn't that captivating? No. Um, (laughs) Story didn't really grab you. But I made a conscious decision to not be on Twitter because I wanted to focus on work. And also the uh, Wi-Fi on the plane wasn't good enough to watch the games at the same time. So standard operating procedure. (laughs) Right. So it was like, well, I don't want to like be tweeting and then have a lag. So I'm going to purposely shelf this, shelf this, and then work on this uh, 1400 word article that I have due, amongst other things. 
And then all of a sudden, my message client starts just like going crazy with different people. James Renee, my buddy, um, was the first person to text me with like, Andrew Luck's retiring. And I was like, get the get out of here. Like, if you yeah. need help with your fantasy team, don't try to shock <laughs> me into some nonsense. Like, I know I haven't answered your past five texts, but yeah. this isn't going to do it for me. He like was like, no, some, I'm serious. Like when someone texts you like emergency 911, like call me. And it's like, oh, actually, I just need a little quick. Anyway. I then went on Twitter and and behold, there Andrew Luck is indeed hanging up the cleats. Jacoby Brissett is the team's quarterback. The Indianapolis Colts today held their first team practice without Andrew Luck. Hashtag new era. It's mind. The whole thing is like mind bending. The whole thing is like really overblown and who cares? What do you mean it's overblown? It's a huge story. I'm sorry, Brad. I said I wasn't going to curse on the podcast today, but if it's a huge story. It is a huge story, but it's also, let's move on. There is a person who said he no longer wants to do his job, and we need to accept that and oh, yeah. look forward. But, like, this, this like, wringing of hands and this giant news items that, like, today is the first day that well, the Colts are practicing without it. Get, oh, my gosh. It's too, it's too much. Sure. Well, that's, that's the nature of this stupid beast of a game that we follow is that everything is, you know, every little movement is a big deal. But, I mean, the storyline is... Huge, and I think it's worth like I don't know. There's a lot to unpack from it. Okay, well, what do you think is the number one takeaway from a non-fantasy perspective? I just think it's like a the whole thing just kind of bums me out because there's so few. I mean, there's a lot of players that I love to watch, but there are few players that like really I think exuded the joy of playing football like Andrew Luck did in his early years, and then to see him walk away because. It wasn't joyful anymore. It wasn't joyful anymore. That just, I don't know. It makes me, it makes me feel weird about the game too. Like, oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, you know, the guy gets hit, I think the stat is 65 more times than any other quarterback over the first three years of his career, you know, and to have like it just be such a mental and physical grind, it just also just slaps you in the face, the human perspective of the game, right? Like, and I think of just like immediately when I saw it, it was so shocking. But then the more you think about it, you know, the, what the guy has gone through over the last few years, you know, misses like a 2016, he's getting beat to a pulp, you know, like that's the lacerated kidney year, the, mm-hmm. the where, when the shoulder started, misses all of he, 17, misses all of 17. And then I think this is a big point. And I don't, I don't know if I've heard anybody else really think about this, but I thought of this right away when I, and I said this to someone at the party too, like, you know, you think about how he came back in 2018 and like, he comes back as this completely different player. Like when Andrew, like I said, Andrew Luck early on, you know, he's like running around, he's taking hits. He's like patting guys on the helmet, like good hit buddy, you know, or whatever. And throwing the ball downfield, plays with this, almost like a good version of what Josh Allen is, right? Yeah, like, well, he had a certain element of, like, Sandlot about yeah. his play, which was really joyful. You're yes. right, and exuberant. And then in 18, he comes back, and he's not running around. He's, like, throwing short yeah, of the sticks. Luck. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing, getting the ball out quick. Like, it's a ro- robotic is a great way to put it. I mean, people were even like, man, is this, like, Chad Pennington version of Andrew Luck? And I think things changed a little bit the more the year went on. But well, like, and we ascribed it to Frank Reich, too. Yes, because I and I do think it was smart coaching, like, yeah. get the ball out quick. But as I thought about that year specifically, like, he changes the entire way he plays the game. I, that, and you've always played that way. Like, I think that's a lot on a person. It's like asking anybody to to go through a massive change is is huge. Plus, like, you're 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 doing it coming off injury. And then you come into this year, and you're hurt again. And, like, I think the fact that he's retiring basically screams, like, 
I wasn't going to be ready for week one. I might not have been ready till, you know, October. Like, and it just sucks to see a player that like does exude that joy to say, I'm leaving because I just physically and mentally can't do this anymore. And it's just like, you wonder like how many other guys will see this and, and, or how many won't or how many have the privilege to. There's a million other yeah. conversations that come out of this. But I think what is the most interesting is that every single person and why sports in general, if I can opine for a second. Of course. Um, Sorry, your podcast. Is, you can opine as much as you want. <laughs> is so interesting is because our emotional reaction, the way watching this in many ways very brutal form of entertainment resonates with us, whether it's a cultural connection, a familial connection, something uh, it, it does to us inside in the moment, an adrenaline rush, etc. Um, we all had different responses to the luck situation. And I, for one, I didn't think about any of those things. I mean, yes, they crossed my mind. You make great points. I especially like the one about 2018 being a different version of himself, maybe a version of himself he didn't care didn't to. Didn't like, yeah. Right. I was really proud of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just thought like, man, especially in L.A., you see so many people come here to fulfill their dreams, mm-hmm. right? Like this is the city of dreams. Everybody's got one. And you also then see so many people in service to a dream that they had at 10 years old, and it is only being continued out of ego. There is no joy left in entertainment. There is no joy left in whatever they are pursuing. Whatever passion they once had has been dried up and beaten out of them. But damn it, they're going to wait tables because they promised the 10-year-old inside of them that they were going to be something someday. And so many missed opportunities of joy because they couldn't stop clinging to a memory of what they wanted to be. And Andrew Luck had it. He didn't even, he wasn't even like still trying to chase it. Like he set a boundary. He respected his own limitations. He listened. It's what we tell kids all the time to do. Like be the real, be authentic. Don't be peer pressured into doing the thing you want to do. Yeah. You know, like, and he didn't. And I was, first, I was like, damn, get me his therapist number. Cause I send <laughs> my mom, I send one of her calls to voicemail and my anxiety level goes up. Like, <laughs> like yeah, the yeah, boundary yeah. setting was incredible. And I just thought like, good for you, bro, that you're not going to let the neck up control the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. you're going to live from a heart center. Maybe some people call that millennial of me or Those people um, did. People did call it. Right. That. <laughs> and by the way, Gottlieb, like I'm sure your granddad is real proud because that tweet was the most boomer thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Troy Aikman took care of you for all of us instead. So to me, I'm proud of him. Yeah. I think more people should stand up for what they want to be and what they can be without hurting anyone. And also, silver linings, bro. Jacoby Brissett now has a real opportunity. Yeah. It's the ultimate next man up league. Let's be excited about what Jacoby Brissett can do. Let's be excited about what Frank Wright, who's never, this is sarcasm, won a stinking Super Bowl with a backup quarterback before. So you can take all those, I spent all this money on on tickets, takes, and you can shove them because that's a, if, by the way, hold on. By the way, if you are complaining about Andrew Luck retiring because you spent a bunch of money on tickets and you thought this was the year they were going to the Super Bowl, then you clearly don't know who's coaching the goddamn team because if any coach could take a backup quarterback and to the Super Bowl and win it, it's Frank Reich. <laughs> That's a, it's such a great point. Jesus. I mean, see, this is why I knew we had to talk about it. Like, I mean, I was just having it was it was all in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no no sense in holding it back. I love the way you say too, like about boundary setting. Like that was the way I thought too, because you know, p- plenty of people will like you know deride him for leaving the team at the worst time or whatever. And and I mean, 
look, you're right. Like this was the year they're like a Super Bowl contender. And and to walk away at this point, I think does show incredible like mental courage. Like if there's one thing <laughs> you set setting boundaries in your life is a is a huge thing. And like and saying, I'm not gonna take this or I'm not I'm not just gonna take these hits literally, you know, for, for the rest of us, like metaphorically, but literally for other people is huge. And I, I do think like watching that press conference afterwards, like, you know, between like Ursay being Ursay, like Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, I have complete like confidence in Chris Ballard always impresses me in these press conferences for the way he approaches things. But yeah, the, the way that you point out, like Frank Reich has done this before, not quite the same situation, but I think they're really still set up to be the the like the well they the got to get past the Chiefs. The sil- well the silver lining is is that yes they're they're probably still in pretty good hands with the infrastructure but that they've built. The other part that I do think is like the thing that really is kind of a, a real kick in the teeth is like they're just good enough to compete for the playoffs every year. But I, I worry they're going to get into that like Andy Dalton Bengals zone where they're never bad enough to they actually to- get a solution at quarterback. I think, but at the same time. Frank, I don't know. If Frank I don't know. There's, was, a, there's a player in Miami who's playing backup that doesn't need to be if you want some depth. That's a yeah. Get him on his third team in less than three I'm years. I'm sure he'd rather be there than Miami. I mean, I, I don't blame him. But on that note, too, the Philly analogy, I think, is really interesting, too, because think about how they ended up with Carson Wentz. Like they were in that zone where they were mm-hmm. just good enough to never be that bad. And then they went, I think you could see the Colts at some point saying, Hey, we've saved up all this cap space. Let's just go ball. Like, we're way down the line here, but like we'll go balls to the walls and, you know, get like trade a bunch of assets, went style to get up there and get a really good quarterback prospect. Cause they do have the infrastructure to drop in somebody. Well, as fun as that was, this is a fantasy football podcast. Now so, back to your your, your, your lanes. Yeah, <laughs> we got to put, put on our turn signals and head back to our lanes. So from a fantasy perspective, I mm. think let's start with Jacoby Brissett first and just get it out of the way. I have him ranked as my QB twenty five. Yeah, I think the coaching staff, the all line, some of the outside pieces are enough to buoy him. I don't. I think he's going to be better than he was in twenty seventeen. So I'm not expecting the same stats, right? But it's a really deep position. Yeah, I he's mean, not Andrew Luck. No, he's not Andrew Luck. <laughs> I, I have him at twenty three, tier five guys like okay. around goofballs, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, those type of players. Um, so I mean, perfectly fine, like in a super flex two QB type sure. situation. Um, I think it is worth noting, like again, go back to infrastructure ecosystem. Is this a much better situation for Brissett to be in today than it was Two in 2017? Ago. What about the rest of the players in the roster? So T. Y. Hilton, I, I've seen some people bearing him as low as. Um, wide receiver 30 because he was the wide receiver 27. I mean, it, it, to me, it's a really simplistic plug-and-play analogy because he was the wide receiver 27 in 2017 under Brissett. But again, that's not assuming that Brissett has achieved anything or evolved at all as a quarterback. And again, Frank Reich's real, real flipping good at what, yeah. <laughs> what he does. And I think he's going to scheme well. So I have um, Hilton, I think, is my wide receiver 17. Yeah, I, I kept him in the same tier, actually, and just dropped him to the bottom of it. He was at the top. Now he's at the bottom of tier three is wide receiver 15. So okay. we're in the, around the same area. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think that also it's worth noting, too, like this is a completely different situation, including the pass catchers. I mean, Eric Ebron, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, you know, Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle is is there. But like he's had all offseason to build a rapport with these guys. Of course, of course, Andrew Luck has not been practicing, but Hilton is the familiar guy. Also, by the way, all these reports of Hilton, like 
having the best camp of his life. And of course, they're, you know, camp fluff pieces, whatever. But everybody universally out of Indianapolis has been saying Hilton is having his best camp. Oh, by the way, the quarterback that he's been doing it with is Jacoby Brissett. And he remains the most versatile of these pieces, which is yeah. always a part of Hilton's game that I think goes under um, underappreciated. Yeah. Right. That he has um, an ability to play inside and out. And so um, and obviously Frank Reich uh, is a coach who can work with that sort of skill set. So I think that he remains the number one and the ball is going to get fed to him. Yes, there are the ancillary pieces. Um, before we talk about those, though, because I think, you know, the the tight ends are what really is going to become the most problematic from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. Let's talk about Marlon Mack. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was a tough one for me because I, I actually kind of feel like I was I ended up lower on Marlon Mack than I thought I would be anyways. Um, and then was starting to kind of come around because mm-hmm. Apparently, you know, Naheem Hines not really going to be a big part of the offense. Like they did start to feature Mac Moore as a pass catcher a little bit towards the end of the year. And in the postseason, I mean, in the postseason, Hines was like not even a thing. Um, so I, th- I was like, OK, maybe I can come around. But then with this news, the problem, the, the, the thing that this does is, again, it just. Yeah, maybe you can make the argument that they're going to want to run the ball more, you know, establish the run, whatever. But. As always with a situation like this, yeah, maybe Marlon Mack's slice of the pie gets bigger, but the overall dish well, the is smaller. still good. Yeah, but the it's just going to be a. You're different... worried they'll be they'll be coming from behind, and so game flow won't work his direction because he doesn't get the receiving targets. He will be pulled off the field. Not even that. It's more just like I think the appeal of Marlon Mack is that oh, he's a feature back on what could be one of the best offenses in sure. the NFL. Now he's the feature back on what could be the 15th best offense in the sure. NFL. And I think, I think by the way, like 15th. 15th? That, that's, that's a little low. I don't know. I mean, Brissett's a good quarter. I mean, a fine backup quarterback, but you're asking an awful lot of the guy to make it. You think top- he's going to be like a middle, like an, a middle of the pack. This is going to be a middle of the pack offense. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, there's just so many other units mm. navigated by quarterbacks that I have more faith in. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- maybe not from like a yards perspective, but from like an efficiency perspective, from a touchdown scoring perspective. And I'm going to always want to associate my running backs with good offenses. So for example, like I moved Chris Carson ahead of him. I moved David Montgomery ahead of Whoa. him. I moved Mark Ingram ahead of so him. So where do you have him? 22. Wow. In the middle of tier five. I'm so, not that low. Yeah. I, I think that that could end up looking really conservative, but I just, I think again, there's a lot of guys. Well, I don't know. I, I still have Melvin Gordon. I could, I should probably build Melvin Gordon down the hell out of there. But I mean, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I was, I really liked Marlon Mack. Where do you have season. David Montgomery? Because you gave me a little bit of ish uh, last time we spoke about having him too high. So I'm trying to think in relation because I have David. Uh, did I say Melvin Gordon? I meant David Montgomery. Yeah. No, you said David Montgomery. Okay. Um, where do you have David Montgomery now? 19. So you have, well, yeah, twenty two makes sense. Because I've had to move him down. I moved, I moved some other players um, down. You know, so I don't know. The real riser for me though is Sony Michelle. I have Sony Michelle at running back twenty three. Okay, I'm, I'm um, I have Marlon Mack at wide receiver four. I'm sorry, I have Marlon <laughs> Mack at running back fourteen. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not as as worried about it, but I have Montgomery. Oh, I guess I do have Montgomery at nineteen. Maybe you got into my head. I had him at sixteen. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth on Montgomery and Josh Jacobs because, you know, Brad, like, really wanted me to write a piece, you know, taking the Jacobs side because I, like, kind of— I have Jacobs at 22. I have him at 24. So I don't know what the hell I think anymore. The season needs to start already. Yeah. <laughs> but, I've, I mean, from my perspective, Marlon Mack, it's the volume— when I look at the volume and I look at the um, receiving opportunities that he has been getting and the O-line— 
game flow, game script does concern me. Yeah. But I just, I just look at, I, I just can't put him behind like Damian Williams or, I mean, Aaron Jones is really close for me. Derrick Henry with the calf thing makes me a little bit still. I mean, it, it, he's in that glut though. Let's talk about the tight ends. So Don't do it. <laughs> so I think we're both saying that ultimately they're going to cancel each other out. I think they were always in danger of canceling each other out and now even more so like again you're you're you were hopefully banking on a volume and touchdown efficiency decrease for Eric Ebron and now even more so I think that like just because I think the biggest thing that this does for the Colts passing game and these ancillary guys is at the end of my first round of projections I had the Colts leading the NFL in pass attempts because they played fast and they threw it a lot under Andrew Luck under Andrew Luck last year I, I don't I don't know that I'm convinced that that's going to be the case so I dropped them in both pace like overall plays mm-hmm. run and then passing play percentage in the result of, of this move so again that that whole pie decreasing I think really is so everybody's volume is going to shrink everybody's volume shrinks except I still kept Hilton relatively stable because I I actually just bumped like his market share up yep. a little, which canceled out you know the fact that overall targets decreased. I w- went back and looked at the numbers for these two tight ends. So with Luck under center last year, Ebron averaged almost seven targets per game, but of course that was with Jack Doyle not a hundred percent or on the field. Back in 2017, when Luck was out, Doyle was Brissett's guy. Yeah, and Doyle averaged over seven looks per contest. So that is why ultimately I think your a point your point about the tempo of the game and the overall volume is a perfect one. And I also think we we just got to see who Frank Reich wants on the field. The the problem with like how far do, I dropped Ebron from 10 to 13 and an entire I dropped him an entire tier down there too. The the thing was just like how many more of these guys might want to bump up like it just gets to, real ugly. At a certain, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, like even at ten, like I have Mark Andrews at ten, and I don't feel good about that. I've Jordan, I have him at ten too. I, I feel fine. I feel great. It makes me a little nervous because of volume. Because of the yeah, just how much is he going to be on the field? Opportunity share. I moved Eric Ebron down to tight end fourteen. Yeah, but it's just like you you you're gonna you're gonna move Delaney Walker, T.J. Hawkinson. Like I have Delaney Walker at number at tight end thirteen. Yeah, I mean I have fourteen. So we're about the same place. <laughs> All right, so. That's everything in Indianapolis. Um, any concerns? I don't. I think we can gloss over this unless you have any real feels about Cam Newton's potential foot injury. Which no, I think he's it looks fine. fine. Yeah, right. I mean he was scooting around practice today on a golf cart without his boot, so that's nice. Yeah, I mean it's just that was one. You know, I don't think it was a sign of Cam Newton like starting to break down or anything. I think no, I think people f- are just like, oh my gosh, is this? Are we going to start yeah, the season like with this, this Heineke? Or your Will well, Greer. It's your Will Greer not boy. E- but not even Will <laughs> Greer at this point. He's not even going to be the backup. Greer Greer's like been terrible this preseason. I mean, as some of us predicted. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was one of those picks that like. You were so excited. No, I was. Yes, I liked, no, 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 no. I liked Will Greer, but I was like, I can talk myself into both ways with this Will Greer pick because there's a scenario where it's like, okay, yeah, it's good. I mean, listen, anytime you can spend assets on the quarterback position, that's good. I'm, I'm in favor of that. Also like, yeah, if he turns into a trade chip, cool. Like if cam gets hurt, cool, like great. But then it's also like, you just spent a third round pick when your window is, you is, is here. And I, I didn't know. And I, I did like Will Greer a lot as a quarterback. So that part you're totally right about the pick being at the Panthers is like a little weird, but then like you see him out there in preseason, like, <laughs> <laughs> God, geez, like another, 
another offensive lineman, another pass rusher would look real good as a third round pick right now instead of this jackass. So you're optimistic that Cam will start week one yeah. against our L.A. Rams. Well, you know, I mean, it is my Panthers, so it's hard to say. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Lamar Miller, you touched on a little bit earlier. He's done for the season with an ACL tear. So much for my, like, <laughs> there's not a running back with a higher floor in the yeah. whole draft than Lamar Miller. And, and then Lamar Miller said, lady, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> we fall right, right through that trap door in the floor. Boom. Um, and you've got some some hot takes about this because of the uh, triggering that the Duke Johnson trade did for you overall. So can we can we both agree that the Texans starting running back is on a different team right now. No, I don't agree with that. You think Duke I, I Johnson think Duke, is going to be well, that guy? starting, I mean, what does that mean? Like, I think Duke Johnson probably, if he stays healthy, as <laughs> we always have to say. Uh, <laughs> with that it, amazing offensive line that well, has two rookie tackles. So <laughs> this was a funny thing because, again, I found this news out on the in my Uber on the way to this gathering. And, like, so I'm sitting there just firing off, like, just, off-the-cuff thoughts, because I'm trying to kill the last 10 minutes of this Uber drive. What else am I supposed to do? Talk to the guy. And, you know, I thought part of me was like, man, what if they go out and trade for Melvin Gordon? But, like, you know, to to be honest, like, I could see that happening because, number one, they're in a window. Right. They've got a load of salary cap space, right? And calories. And calories. Well... (laughs) Speaking of calories, you know, Bill O'Brien's like kind of running rogue in the front office right now. I could see him flip two top three <laughs> round picks for running backs in, in one offseason. Whatever he wants. Why the hell? Why Wash the hell? it down with an orange Fanta. Why the hell not, right? Yes. So like, also they have Jadevian Clowney ready to trade too. I think that's something to watch. Also, Houston's apparently been like rumored to be in the market for a wide receiver. Is that the secret? tweet the secret thing like there's Ugh, everybody there, their stupid secret tweet their wide receiver tweet man i i tweeted that out about lombardi and his like did you see this at all on friday like michael lombardi said like oh there's a yeah, trade thing yes. and i man one of those tweets that like i sent and i regret sending because then everybody's just i saw it too and i was like i i said to myself anyone who arteses is asking for it i'm out yeah i i and because yep. i said i sent it right as i was walking into my therapy appointment on friday and i lose service in there oh so that's a good place to lose service right seriously so i come back out and i'm like oh my god this has like 100 responses in like 45 minutes because people are just guessing and i'm like nice so flex. i'm like great this will be uh this will be so anyway back to, to Duke oh Johnson. yeah right what were we talking about oh anyways yeah so i was wondering i'm like look they're in the market for a receiver maybe they just like kind of say effort to the run game and they just be like 70% pass. They get the ball out quick because they have a bad offensive line. They get the ball out quick. Duke Johnson's a receiving back primarily. I, I still think... I mean, because Bill O'Brien is so creative. I don't know. <laughs> Look, I'm just trying to kill the last 10 minutes of this Uber ride. <laughs> <laughs> and the first 20 of this pod. <laughs> hey, this has been a good first 20 minutes of this podcast. Has um, it been 20 minutes? So where do you have... I, I have got to believe that... I don't. I don't know if it's going to be as bad as like Carlos Hyde, who's not going to make the Chiefs roster, or Kareem Hunt, or I, I mean, there is going to be another power element added to the Houston Texans backfield. There has to be. It's been. Yeah. There's going. Yeah. And and it should come before Week One. It may come in Week Three when Duke Johnson is washed. I mean, do you like? Do you even know who some of these goofballs on the Texans? depth chart are at running back not bro josh ferguson i mean something named De- <laughs> like demaria crockett i don't even like oh i heard people tweeting about crockett they got real crockett takes um, I like that, that was one of like how do you people have takes about this <laughs> buddy howell 
Taiwan Jones. Jones. He's still kicking around. Dude, by the way, I was like, Danta, could you have just shown up for a meeting? <laughs> what the, look what you did. Always way, go to the meeting. Hey, he's out there. He's out there. He got he got cut again. That's right. Big Colts news on Saturday. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday, he got himself uh, waved off IR. But yeah, he's out there. I, I mean, mean, maybe there's a mea culpa. And well, he, he has a torn bicep, so probably not. Um, can't you just wrap that? Like put a nice bandage around it. I don't think so. But um, I, I think in the end, I still think Duke Johnson ends up leading this team in touches, unless they trade for someone like. LaShawn McCoy. That was one I thought like could happen. Oh, that's interesting. You know, they're going to do it like on Labor Day just to spite us. Just so that we have some work to do over the holiday weekend. Oh, it's going to get ready. Get I, ready, I mean, Brett. Brett, a- get ready to text me. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I did an emergency pod about luck on Saturday night with Therese and Charles. You know, if there's one this weekend, we'll do an emergency pod with you guys. I'll tell the, uh, tell the other guys. Oh, you guys are busy. Text them. I got it. Got a lot going on. So just to check, you don't think Cullen Gillespie and Karen Higdon Jr. are going to be? Couldn't... I am all in on Karen Higdon Jr. now. That's it. I mean, get me a jersey. A, fe- a fella named Karen. Um, Car- yeah, I don't know. Probably Karan. That's like a boy probably named Probably not Karen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be a, like a boy named Sue. And that was a bad motherfucker. That's a, yeah, right. That turned out well for him. Yeah. You know, Duke Johnson was very upset that he didn't have a larger role in Cleveland. Yeah. But Daniel Jones, he has very, very uh, neutral feelings about having a bigger role in New York. Although the fan base would love to see Daniel Jones ahead of Eli Manning. So let's talk about the Giants as we begin our NFC East preview. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the fan base is truly on board with that they're just complaining about something complain about it oh as per usual yeah i was it was funny like i was actually thinking about this yesterday like remember did you see that picture of like all the reporters huddled around eli or around daniel jones after the preseason game and like eli which by the way he's doing the like i can't move my back sorry brett uh and to like fix put his shoe on or whatever and there's no reporter around him which again another reminder like he's probably beat to hell at this point in his career um he comes from a football family i thought that that was like i was like man that's like that could that's up there for perhaps most iconic picture of uh, the 2019 season but that andrew luck like onto the mic one was obviously outdid it i thought much more much more pleasant um but yeah on daniel jones like (laughs) It's interesting, right? Because the coaching staff, or at least Pat Shermer, every time he speaks, look, Pat Shermer's one of us, Liz. He's ready to take a preseason victory lap. He's one of us. He's 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 one of fantasy Twitter at this point. Draft Twitter, you know, like you see one of your guys ball out in preseason. Like told you so. That's what Pat Shermer's doing right now. He's he's ready to told you so about Daniel Jones. Well, he can eventually, I guess. I mean, I I don't like. We all are assuming that Daniel Jones is gonna is gonna be the lead is going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants at some point this season right oh yeah I think so um also by the way it's worth noting like Blake Bortles preseason hall of fame uh performance I will also admit that I don't really know what to do with anybody on this team like Saquon Barkley I was at an event over the weekend in Atlanta and Brian Baldinger was there and we were talking about Saquon and he was like so you know who's your number one and I said well it would have been if the holdout issues didn't Aren't, weren't still spilling over. It was going to be Zeke. But I'll be honest, Brian, I don't have Saquon until like number three. And he was stunned. And he was like, have you met him? And I was like, yeah, I've met him. And and he was like, but he doesn't he, he doesn't carry himself like those those stacked boxes aren't going to get him. And I was like, Brian, 
Yeah, they are eventually. Like, this is a problem, and this is a small ball offense, and this is not one I want to be tied to, and I also don't care about the questions under center. Like, I'm happy. I don't really think Daniel Jones is that much of an upgrade over Eli Manning. Maybe he's a a copy, he's a carbon copy of of Eli Manning, and maybe it'll take the defense a week or two to adjust, except I don't really think that the offense is going to be that different with Daniel Jones under center, and you've heard plenty of offseason reports, and again, these are offseason reports, so we're not sure how valid they are and how puffed up they may be. But Eli Manning, apparently the velocity coming off the ball is the best it's been in years. So, like, I don't know. I have, of all of the teams, I don't know how this one, I know it's probably not going to look great. I know that I don't want to invest in it. And therefore, I am, like, divorcing myself of any emotional attachment to it. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I completely agree with you. You know, it, it will always, it always stuns me that people will do this every freaking year with with running backs and they'll just come back to like volume and talent and the fact that we sat there and did this not you know the royal we sat here and did this in 2016 with Todd Gurley who we know is verifiably great and also got a, all the volume for the 2016 Rams but played on a trash offense and was a not not worth the top pick in fantasy and like the fact that people still want to sit here and yada yada like the offensive concerns for Saquon Barkley is it is honestly a little like mind-numbing and slightly irritating that people would be flippant about that like sure you can still end up wanting to draft Saquon Barkley but you got to consider that you can't you cannot yada yada those concerns based on the fact that he's good and the fact that uh he's going to get volume a generational talent will still at some point wear down. Like, that is going to happen. And also, last year, his rookie season, rookies don't have a regular season. They are coming off of draft season, which is basically like a 365 season. There's no off season for them. His first real off season happened just now. So he's been going and going, and the number of touches that he's had aren't just the number of touches he recorded last season while on the field. And I think people forget that because they've got the combine. They've got, like... There's a lot that goes into it. And again, I'm not disputing his talent. I'm not disputing his skill set. I'm not disputing his ability to be the next LT, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying all that. But also, why the hell am I going to mess with this team? Exactly. Yeah, especially at such a high cost. Like, that's that's the thing. You're paying absolute top dollar for for a big risk. I mean, of the three players, how can you not look at this as the, you know, of the three guys taking out Zeke, you know, Kamara, McCaffrey and Barkley, this is easily the stone worst offense of the three, the worst quarterback situation, the worst offensive talent around them. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's also probably it might very well be the worst play caller and coach, depending on how you feel about North Turner at this point. It's a good point. I mean, they're like every part worse, worse, worse. And I again, I don't understand no one is saying that Saquon Barkley's bad. Like he, I promise you, we're going to get plenty of wow plays. But this game is about numbers, and and also go into the season with your eyes open. Damn it! Yeah. Like don't be a sheep. Don't be <laughs> right. blindsided when something goes sideways because it's it may very well go sideways. Yeah, when you're week five and you're like, man, Saquon Barkley had been playing like a top three pick or not been producing like a top three pick. Well, yeah, that's, producing, not playing. Yeah, right. Watch that, yourself. That's that's why we're here. Like that's why we're here. So. I completely agree with you. The only thing I will say about the rest of the offense is I think that I look, I'm of the opinion that Eli has been done for like three years. I don't think he can play anymore. He's 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 a corpse out there. 
And I think that Daniel Jones, like, look, I'm not, I'm not like buying into the preseason hype. I mean, it's very encouraging that he's been getting positive reviews. Like you talk about drumbeat, he's been getting positive reviews in camp. There was some early, you know, before uh, John Mara, like, you know, sent out his goons to beat up a reporter and make sure you publish nice things about Eli. I'm kidding a little bit there. A, a little, little bit. A little bit. Um, but, you know, the early going was like some reporters saying, man, like just the difference between the way Jones throws the ball and Eli throws the ball at Stark. Also, the athleticism that Jones brings to the table. He's a sneaky, like sneaky mobility. Yeah, sure. And so... And his receivers at Duke did let him down. Yeah, no, I mean something we said in April. So right, fine. So I, I mean, I still <laughs> they're going to let him down again. By the way, <laughs> um, I still think that it would be. In, I think this, the Giants would become slightly more interesting if Daniel Jones is on center. I'm not. I, I'm not saying that they're going to be better, but and I'm still. I really like. Right, that's it, though. Interesting is not. Interesting does not mean better. No. Interesting means. I'm curious and intrigued at how this is going to go. Yeah. Not, oh, wow, I can't wait to see my numbers tick up. <laughs> yeah, but I, I st- I've come around on, I mean, I've always really loved Sterling Shepard's game, but I actually kind of think he's going under the radar as a guy that... Since the thumb injury. Well, yeah, because it seems like things are, like he's on track to be out there for mm-hmm. week one. By the way, like, I mean, he's pretty much it in this receiver core. Evan Ingram, definitely, like, they're both... Uh, Evan- I want to talk about Evan Ingram because I think okay. that's a player that we have ignored. I know that you don't like his game particularly. I mean, I like him enough. Well, you've always kind of, you know, knocked what he, you should knock his blocking skills. They're not great. But I don't care about that. <laughs> you've not had him, like you've always seemed to prioritize OJ Howard and Hunter oh. Henry ahead of him, which is yeah. interesting. Better I mean, even Amanda offenses. noted it, right? Like yeah. Amanda noted it because of the volume. And it is, I think we have not given Evan Ingram his due. You're probably right. There's been times I've drafted Evan Ingram. Said but we. Not just you. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not. I'm not going after you. No, no, I, I don't feel attacked. Um, but I do. I, OJ Howard, uh, definitely like is the guy I'm, I'm prioritizing every time. He's become a guy. I'm writing a piece uh, that'll <laughs> publish tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, that you know, like the guys I can't stop drafting at certain rounds. Like OJ Howard's the guy that I've like in round five. I've just been like, yep, let me do that. I just think it's worth noting because Evan Ingram's volume is always talked about, but you never hear anybody put numbers to it. I went back and looked at him and when down the stretch last year. So again, sample size, not incredibly large, but still when Odell was out, Ingram averaged nearly two more catches per game than he did when Beckham was on the field earlier. And that was 2018. That was not the 2017 breakout. Obviously, we know what he did. Ingram did without OBJ available for most of that season. So whether it is a struggling Eli Manning or a rookie quarterback, some uh, familiarity with his tight end. Well, I know Eli and Evan are tight. I've seen it happen. I've seen them. <laughs> I've seen them grow out together. And I have to imagine that since Daniel Jones is basically the light version of Eli Manning, that rapport will exist. I mean, there. is it only from the front that that he, that he looks like Eli Manning? Oh, I haven't checked out Daniel Jones from the back. Just wait. <laughs> Give me an advanced scouting report. <laughs> so um, where do you have Evan Ingram ranked just really quickly? I have him in tier two uh, with O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, and then it's him. Actually, no, I have him ahead of Hunter Henry, but I don't know if there's any reason for that. So this is – I you have O.J. Howard ahead of him. I have yes, clear, clearly. Evan Ingram tight end four, O.J. Howard tight end five. So we're just flip-flopped on it. You always talk about math. And I, I want yeah. to do the O.J. Howard dance. I'm already ready with my answer. But, but I already but I also want to do the Chris Godwin dance. Yeah. 
easy to do all. It's easy to dance yeah. with both of them and with Mike Evans, Mike Evans. at the same and time. So, and we, well, let's not even mess with the backfield, right? Like, ain't nobody well, gonna mess with. It's fine. No, There's nothing no. about Oguglier is gonna run away with the job. Who cares? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just make that name up. Is that it's, a real person? Yeah, it's like that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How how how's all this going to bear out? Oh, it's super easy because there's no one else in that receiver court that is going to demand volume. Outside of Mike of Evans, Chris Godwin, it's, and it, OJ Howard. Let's pull up the projections. Please do. No, I'm I'm asking yeah. sincerely because this, this in is, my opinion, I w- so I had someone ask me, and I thought it was a great question. Who do you prioritize, Chris Godwin or OJ Howard? And I said I would see OJ Howard being the piece to falter before I would see Chris Godwin. So I would prioritize if I'm attacking that yeah. offense, which I think people should do to try to get Chris Godwin as your wide receiver too and pass on O.J. Howard if you only wanted to select one. I'm I'm with you because I think Godwin is a fourth-round pick and I have been taking Howard in round five. So I'm with you that Godwin is the guy that... I mean, I think Godwin's ceiling's outrageous. Like in- incredibly, yeah. Like nobody makes my heart pound more. Oh, look, I mean, except for maybe Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, look, great, great player. Everything. I mean, yeah, we've talked about this before. He checks every box, but it's really easy. Like I have the Bucks as tenth in pass attempts, so top ten, you know, in sure. terms of passes. And then it's really easy. What is to the carve- number behind that, though? Like, let's give the people like what does tenth mean? Give it a numerical uh, equivalent. Over five hundred sixty. Okay. So then it's really easy then to carve. 140 targets for Mike Evans, 110, 110, 118 for Chris Godwin, and then like 90 for OJ Howard. That's pretty, that's pretty easy. And then you're looking, again, you're looking at Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. No one's catching passes there. Whatever that is. 77. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got like Brashad Perryman as as the wide receiver three. Oh, Brashad Perryman. The receiver that brought us together initially. Yeah, that's... Yes, indeed. Pour um, one out. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's just no one else on this roster that's going to command volume. And this is this is the fantasy thing that we crave for. We should not shun this. Like, we just want offenses. We want to know where the damn ball's going. And I think we know where the damn ball's going in Tampa Bay. is going to go to Howard. It's going to go to Evans. And it's going to go to Chris Godwin. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm being sincere. I uh, Yeah. I, I don't think you're not being. Look at your projections. And <laughs> tell me how many pass attempts you have projected for the team in Washington that will have Case Keenum starting week one. Which, by the way, uh, told y'all, told y'all, Hassan's going to start. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have them for 526, 27th in the league. Okay. I mean, and it's also like, by the way, I have them for the 25th most rush attempts because I don't think they're going to be running a lot of plays. I don't think they're going to be on the field very Darius Geist, though, let's talk about him. He looked healthy. He had been a stay-away player for a lot of people because of the setbacks. Still is. I mean... You didn't think any... I mean, that cleared, stiff arm got a lot... <laughs> he cleared... Stiff arm got a lot of play on Twitter. He, he cleared one hurdle of the, like, 30 that he needs to clear. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, again, I think that what I've been saying all offseason, like, the only reason you're drafting Darius Geist at this point is if you liked him, liked how he played the game in college and that's not a good enough reason to draft somebody. Like, I also don't think what a good stiff arm and well, you're married to enough. a take you had two years ago. Yeah, right, right, right. They are. And, and also great. Even if he's healthy, he's still a running back attached to a terrible offense. There's, Hey, maybe Adrian Peterson is the starting running back in Houston. Well, there's Go, exposure goes back home to end his career. But think about the exposure to the goal line. I mean, that's always, people talk about that all the time. And I don't know, would you like to have the vet exposed to the goal line? That's relatively cheaper. Would you like to have the, uh, 
second round draft pick that you're trying to make work that's coming off of an ACL injury exposed right. to the goal line. Like, I'm going to try to protect that young guy and and, try, and, and protect that capital investment. Yeah. So right? all, all seven times that they're at the goal line this season. <laughs> and Chris Thompson is still yeah. there. He has a passing game impediment and an early down impediment. Pass. Where I, do you have him ranked? I mean, like running back 40 something. 40 something. Who do you? Here's one. Do you have Duke Johnson or Darius Geis? Duke Johnson. I, I bumped Duke Johnson up to like 31. I have him 34, but I have Darius Geis 33. You have him at 33. I do. You have. Um, I have him like right Freeman of, ahead of him, behind him. Royce? Devonta. Royce. Um, <laughs> I was like, you're crazy. Um, I have Royce Freeman ahead of him. Yeah, me too. I mean, obviously. Yeah. There's guys like, I mean, maybe one I, spot ahead of him. He's 32. Darius Geis is 33. Duke Johnson's 34. Like maybe I could move like Damian Harris under him at this point. So I have him ahead of Tariq Cohen, Rashad Penny. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I still have Penny way too high. I need to just, that guy looks terrible. We Penny looks so bad that uh, I, mean, I just our, ate it and did it. Ate it and did it. Yeah. Our our pal uh, our pal Zach Schwartz, baby Zach over here, uh, is, is back in on CJ Procise. That's how, oh. that's how bad. <laughs> Rashad Penny looks so bad that I got like three DMs uh, over the. And so usually my DMs are like, well, sometimes offensive, in an interesting way. Um, sometimes they're pictures of feet, and sometimes they, are, <laughs> but usually they're like polite and glowing. And this guy was like, "What the hell? I thought you said Penny was gonna be money emoji unfollow." <laughs> Someone DM'd you that? Yeah. Are your DMs are open. On yeah, Twitter, I think no. On um oh, Instagram. Instagram. Oh 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 yeah yeah well you know yeah that's fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, nobody's sending me pictures of feet in my DMs on Twitter. I mean, anything I don't mess with Twitter as much anymore. I'd like to keep it on IG. Anyway, is there anyone in Washington's nope. offense? No. No, if Jordan Reed is <laughs> concussed again, uh, we've been talking about Jordan Reed a lot. And yes. uh, sure enough, he, he takes, I mean, honest to God, you know, one, I mean, think about him in relation to Andrew Luck. Like, Guy just gets banged with another concussion again. Takes one of, like, it was a, honestly a pretty brutal hit, too, like in the frickin' preseason. Mm-hmm. I wonder if a guy like that looks at that and is like, all right, maybe that's enough of this for me. Well, there's also a conversation about privilege that we're not going to have right now. That Yep, nope, you're right about that. Yep. You're right about that. Not everyone goes to Stanford. Yep. So let's talk about the Eagles. Hot. Next. Sick. Love this team. Uh, love every everybody. You may love everybody, but from a fantasy standpoint like Zach Ertz is someone I think was being drafted way too high because I love Dallas Goddard who I went back and I looked at my fantasy snapshot like scouting reports uh uh, from last year when he was coming into the league and I wrote that he has elevated the one-handed catch to an artistic expression and then that made me go look back at some of his like YouTube reels and I was like bro I really like Dallas I forgot how psyched I was for this guy who'd be a tight end one on any other damn offense but the Eagles are so loaded so from a fantasy perspective I don't also last year was the first time that Ertz was able to stay on the field for Mm -hmm. all 16 games in his entire what six-year career so I, I don't know like I love the player I don't love the price point for investment. That said, if you already invested him, you probably already did. <laughs> Run with that, bro. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that the thing is, though, with Zach Ertz, I agree with you overall. With And I agree with everyone who thinks he's going to have a target drop. Like, I mean, he had 150, right, plus last year. Like, he's gonna, I have him projected for 130. But that's, that's still enough to be a top five tight end. So it just depends. It just depends on your price point, like you said. So I think that there was a point. 
in a draft I was in recently when I it was sitting there in the third round and I decided against picking him, chickened out and just went, oh, I took this draft last time. You know, I was like, oh, should I pick Zach Ertz or Derrick Henry? I'm like, I oh, chicken out, take Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was hoping that he'd come back around to me at the top, like in the fourth round. And I still passed, but I, in in the in general, oh, I'm in okay. The fourth, you passed in general, I'm okay. It just was a team construction thing. I was like, I don't want to leave the top four rounds without at least one running back. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I love Derrick Henry, so I went fourth there. Uh, but yeah, I think that. But in the fourth round, I think he's a much more like plausible pick there. I think Miles Sanders is probably the other piece of this offense that's getting the most fantasy play. Yep, and I've been rising on Sanders. I reluctantly, yeah, have been as well. Where do you have him? I am looking it up if you can wait. Well, I have, I have him at uh, 26 at the bottom of tier five, that tier of Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Marlon Mack, these guys we were talking about earlier. I have him at the oh, very Oh, I have end. him right at mile six, at mile six. I have him at 26 as well. I mean, we are just in lockstep, Liz. I have him between Tevin Coleman and Philip Lindsay. I have him right behind Tevin Coleman, James White, teardrop, and then uh, James White, Philip Lindsay. So right on the same page. All right. Do you think, though— He's a hot start or a slow start. How many touches do you see him getting out of the gate? Yeah, this is the tough this thing. Is, right. My take, and you know, didn't want to I'm not married to this take anymore now, but my take like a month ago was Miles Sanders is going to be a guy that you don't want to draft, but you want to acquire like in October. Four weeks into the season, yes. Right. And you know, you can think of guys like Alvin Kamara in the past was this player. Nick Chubb in the past the last year was this player. Aaron Jones was this player. You know, the guys who finished really strong but probably got dropped. So then all the weenies who were like, Told you so, talent always wins out. That's why you draft Nick Chubb and you know, you burn a freaking hole in your roster for with a guy who doesn't do anything for weeks. So but I don't think Miles Sanders is gonna be that player because I think the Eagles know he's their best back. Yes, Doug Peterson has used a timeshare before, but at the same time, you can say that. Yes, that's the way it's been in Philly, but he's also been in Kansas City, like a, a team that, you know, he's been under Andy Reid, who always historically rides a top running back. So you can argue that in several different directions. And overall, the wor- I think I've now become more worried that Sanders is going to get off to that hot start and be unacquirable i become more worried about that than the alternative, which is, of course, that he gets off to a slow start and then you can buy him later. So I think I would rather risk. I would rather. I agree with you. The risk is that he will he will start hot and produce immediately. But also, I'm OK. I've, I've got become OK with the fact that I know it's going to happen and I'm OK wasting in yeah. quotes a roster spot. In the case that that doesn't happen on him, so because on I am page. so firmly believe that it will happen eventually, and I think a lot of it depends on the Eagles' schedule mm-hmm. at the top of the season, right? Because I, I also can't help thinking about, and this isn't a direct correlation, but it's immediately what came to mind: the situation in Seattle with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny last year, and this situation. And when you have in Chris Carson, what a sixth round guy, right? Seventh round guy mm-hmm. um, who didn't stay seventh round guy who didn't stay healthy. And then you trade up for the young rookie. Everybody was like, well, they traded up. I mean, that's the guy, right? But then you had this like actually pretty talented guy that you invested much less capital in. So why not drive him into the ground until he falls apart and save your rookie, save the investment, keep those legs fresh. And so I feel like here you've got Jordan Howard. He's obviously older. We know what he can do. There are reports every damn summer as a Bears fan. I read them about how he's improved in the receiving game. What happened to our Rams like 30 minutes ago? I mean, listen, I can have I can have both. <laughs> <laughs> damn right you can. I can have both. Damn right you can. Um, so 
I feel like there might be if if the Eagles are winning, Jordan Howard is going to see more play because they're yeah, not going to need to unleash the secret weapon that cost a bunch of money. Hmm. And their season opener is against Washington. I'm not worried about that. Washington was like one of the worst run defenses last year. Then they're at at Atlanta, so maybe. And then versus the Lions. And then at Green Bay. So I do think that Jordan Howard is going to get more pop, at least in week one, than people are expecting. And there's going to be a big knee-jerk reaction. And then... Miles Sanders is going to come on like in October, but you just make your peace with make peace with the fact that you're going to have a roster spot that you can't touch and and do it. And it's not like he's going to be a dud, you know. Like no. Sanders, Sanders, Sanders will be getting some run. He just may not be the RB two, RB three. Yeah, that, that you're, you're drafting, drafting him immediately, immediately. So be patient. Evolution takes time. Last thing, let's talk about are the Cowboys. Um, Michael Gallup season. You want to start there? Yeah. Hell okay. Yeah. We can talk I mean, about that. I mean, there's no other like we've already, player that we've already thumped everybody else into the ground here. All these players, like, hey, Zeke's holding out. Guess what? That's interesting. That Dak wants forty million dollars. Well, the interesting thing about Zeke, though, is that he keeps every damn day. There's some new wrinkle in the situation that leads people to either one way or the other way. I mean, oh I, yeah. I, I, where do you think? I mean, God, now we're starting with Zeke. But where do you do you think he yay. reports or not? I do. Yeah, me too. I do. I, I'm still. I still have him as running back four in tier two. Not a, he's not in tier one where he would be tier one if he reports. But so I'm I'm baking in a little bit of caution, but not very much. Are you on Tony? Are you on the Tony Pollard hype train? I think if you're going to, so I I still have Zeke number two. I'm I'm not gonna move. Let's do it. LFG. And if you do draft Zeke in one of your first five, if you are drafting this weekend, by the way, P.S., congratulations, procrastination really worked out for you this time. The rest <laughs> of us got dinged for being overachievers who got their shit done early. Um, but if you are waiting and you draft Zeke in one of the first five spots, I would also then recommend handcuffing Tony Pollard. So just know that if you're going to draft Zeke, the worst to me, the worst thing about having to draft Zeke is that you're spending two roster spots instead of just one. Or you could just draft Tony Pollard if you didn't draft Zeke. Well, go snipe him, man. Yeah. But then you're playing this game to reach just to, like, yeah. burn other people. Well, or, like, it's it's a, it's strategic in a way because if— Sure, for Zeke, as a trade Zeke, piece or something. Well, or if Zeke doesn't show up, then you have a starting running back. True. People who did it with James Conner last year, right? Yep. Um, where do you have Tony Pollard? I mean, are you advocating for the Tony Pollard pickup? I think he is among, we talked about last week, like the late round picks you don't need to make. You know, the Peyton Barbers, the mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, those clowns. Like, uh, I have moved him ahead of, uh, like, there. So he's running back 48 in the group with Justice Hill, Matt Breida, Deion Lewis, Kareem Hunt. I don't really want you to draft Kareem Hunt at all, but he's got to be ranked somewhere. Um, your, Alexander Madison, Malcolm Brown. Your ranking is right in line with the markets then because— According to Fantasy Football Calculator, he's the running back 46 going in the middle of the 10th round of 12-team exercises between Devin Singletary and Justin Jackson. So, all right. So we can get back to uh, your— Michael Gallup. Gallup. (laughs) I think if anybody's going to benefit from, you know, the sneaky under-the-radar Kellen Moore evolves this offense from the Stone Ages, I think Michael Gallup is the biggest beneficiary because I think they'll take to the air more. And look, I mean, do I think Michael Gallup is going to, you know, have some kind of monster season? No. But oh, by the way, uh, the wide receiver one on this team is hurt. He's like, they're like on, he's hopefully on track for week one. He's also Amari Cooper. He's a -hmm. super inconsistent player. Gallup was a really, really, really good prospect. 
And I thought he could have like a Michael Thomas type impact, not numbers wise, but I thought he was that type of player. He's on that like Michael Thomas, Michael Crabtree access of talent. Really good ball skills. I mean, great ball skills at CSU. Also a solid separator, pretty decent route runner. Then you look at how he played last year as a rookie and, you know, he started coming on at the end of the year and was doing it as the X receiver. Like, And he did it once Amari Cooper joined the squad. Yeah. Because once Cooper joined the squad, took some of that defensive attention away so that Gallup could, you know, work out some of those rookie kinks. I mean, I think, no, I think it's, he separated to me better than a lot of rookies do immediately. So I love that you talked about his ball skills, but he averaged over five and a half targets per game when, when Amari Cooper was on the field, which was lights above what he did at the top of the season. He also like saw 80% of the snaps come like week six. He didn't see that earlier on in the season. So I think he could build on the momentum that you're talking about. Yeah, so Um, I think he's a late round pick to make. Like he's a guy that you should. And he's going to end up in this glut of wide receiver threes. Yeah. Right. Like there's a bajillion of them. You can find a million wide receiver threes. But if everything breaks right, then I agree with you between the Kellen Moore thing and the, you know, (laughs) Amari Cooper. I can't wait for somebody to be like, oh, he's going to be used as a decoy. That's a conversation we're going to have to have. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be right. We're going to get asked Yeah, we're going to get the decoy question. But I mean, yeah, so I have Gallup like right there with Cortland Sutton, James Washington, Kiki Cute, Cutie Cute. I don't even know who cares. Uh, but those those guys are all, people are thirsty over all three of those players. And Michael Gallup is sneaky under the radar. Where did you have him again? Say it again. 56 around guys like Sutton, James Washington, Kiki, all those guys that I'm people 51. are really thirsty. Hell yeah, why not? 51, just ahead of your other boy, Deshaun Hamilton. I have Deshaun at 54. I'm at 52. All right. Well, we will be back at the end of this week. Matt, do you still have a bod? Sure. But let's promote the the listener league uh, that Liz is not a part of. How are we doing on that? We got a lot of entries, a lot of exciting uh, responses that I've been reading through. Uh, so, I mean, I'm probably going to have to pick people before the end of the week. We'd probably have to be drafting over the weekend or early. Nah, you draft on, uh, Tuesday, draft on Monday. That's how I'll know you're committed to this. Uh, but anyways, as I said last podcast, Brett and I are doing a listener league. Uh, Liz is is uh, is not involved. Was, at, was not was not asked to join. Not, not quite. Uh, not quite how this is my favorite way to trigger Matt. Not quite not how, invited into the league. Yeah, that's right. We didn't invite Liz for, for you know because we just because you like I don't guys wanna, have I don't, your plans. Okay. I don't want to oh, lose. Okay. You know, I don't want to lose to Liz. That's the thing. I'm just scared yep. to lose in a fantasy league to Liz Loza. Um, I, I'm I'm terrified of that. So I did. I decided to not invite her to the listener league. Um, and anyways. Brett and I will proceed with 10 of you uh, jackasses out there. All you have to do to get submitted to enter to a win to win a spot to be in the listener league you have to leave us a five-star rating and review on itunes yes i am persecuting you non-itunes listeners because listen where do what is it brett like hey i don't listen ton, i don't a, listen to podcasts on itunes either but you can download it you can download if you don't have a go buy an if iPhone, you don't have be an, committed no if you don't have an iphone you can use itunes for desktop on windows or Mac. oh really yeah if you're oh. a linux user i don't know I don't know how an answer What's for you. What's a Linux? It's a, it's a type of computer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Sounds like a, a special exotic cat. But uh, what is it? Like, it doesn't know, like, a vast majority of our users or listeners come from yes. iTunes? Yes. So, yeah, I am, I'm favoring Apple Podcasts, whatever, because that's where the market is. Sorry, I'm selfish. That, that is what it is. So, leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. 
ask to join the Fantasy Football Survival Kit Facebook group. We're closing in on a thousand members. You guys are yapping all day. It's very exciting. It's a good place. You want to be there. And then tweet or Instagram DM me proof of those two things. And you can potentially win a spot in the Listener League. Great. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF, a woman of the people. And that is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Unfortunately, uh, barred from the Listener League. It's so sad. You hate you hate to see it, folks. You hate to see not it. Not barred, just not asked. That's what it, that's what I mean, barred. We yeah. just didn't invite you. Just said no. We out. We out.